0: Happy election season, and welcome to Device Week, a podcast from MedTech Insight. I'm senior reporter for Dos al Farouk, and many of you know me as Danny. I'm joined this week by my colleague, senior reporter Sue Darcy. We're going to talk about the latest on Medufa negotiations, but first let's talk a bit about how the MedTech industry has been preparing for congressional races in the U.S. 2020 elections, which is taking place November 3rd. Sue, you've been writing about the candidates for the U.S. House and Senate who won the highest political action committee donations from device industry PACs. Can you talk about how companies have been distributing their PAC dollars to Senate candidates?
1: Sure, Danny. This election is featuring several highly contested Senate races from Arizona to North Carolina, and companies are indicating who they would like to win in several important races with their campaign donations. For example. Corey Gardner, a Republican who holds a Senate seat in Colorado, is facing a tough challenger in former state governor and Democrat John Hickenlooper.
0: And how much in PAC contributions has Gardner received from MedTech firms?
1: Gardner got a total of $44,300 in contributions from the PAC funds of five device organizations. The biggest donations came from AdvoMed, with a PAC contribution of $16,300 to the Colorado Senator, while Medtronic PLC and Edwards Life Sciences each gave $10,000 through their PACs.
0: And why do you think so many companies threw their PAC dollars behind Gardner?
1: Well, due to the COVID-19 pandemic, a lot of providers and their patients are using telehealth and remote monitoring options to deliver health care. Many device firms are invested in telemedicine, and Gardner this year introduced a bill known as the Telehealth Innovation and Improvement Act, which incentivizes medtech firms to develop new remote monitoring technologies.
0: Were there other friends of the industry in the Senate who garnered big donations from industry PACs?
1: Yes. A particular note for the high amount of PAC dollars they received from device firms were Senator Martha McSally of Arizona and Tom Tillis of North Carolina.
0: And why are they considered friends of the medtech industry?
1: In short, McSally backed Swifter Medicare pay for certain devices, and Tom Tillis championed medical software patents. McSally is a Republican who introduced the Ensuring Patient Access to Critical Breakthrough Products in June. That bill helped put pressure on the Medicare agency, CMS, to shorten the timeline between approvals of breakthrough devices by the Food and Drug Administration and reimbursements by CMS.
0: And of course, we've seen some of those barriers between MedTech product approval at FDA and reimbursement decisions at CMS broken down even more thoroughly by the Medicare agency's recent announcement of its uh, Medicare coverage uh, for innovative technology initiative. How much did McSally receive from the device company PACs?
1: Over 41000 by October 16th when I last looked at the PAC contributions data for Senators. By that date, she had garnered 14000 from Medtronic's PAC and $14,602 from AdvaMeds and also gained significant amounts from the PACs of Edwards, Boston Scientific, and Medtronic.
0: Now, let's talk about House races for a bit. Uh, every U.S. representative is up for a re-election every two years. Sometimes it seems as if they're always running for campaigns uh, to hold their seats. Uh, tell us about how those are working out.
1: Yes, and those campaigns, which necessarily include hundreds of thousands of dollars to air advertisements on TV and radio and travel expenses for the candidates to run around their states, can be quite expensive explaining the need to solicit PAC contributions.
0: So which candidates PACs have been gaining the most in the industry contributions this election season?
1: At the top of the list, as of October 23rd, are Democrats Angie Craig of Minnesota and Richard Neal of Massachusetts, who received over 30000 each, followed by Republicans Jackie Wolarski of Indiana and Kevin Brady of Texas, who received over $20,000 each.
0: Was there a common theme as to why MedTech firms threw their PAC dollars at these representatives?
1: Yes. Angie Craig, a former St. Jude medical executive, and Jackie Walarsky really made the case for device tax repeal in late 2019, probably because they understood how repeal of the tax supported jobs at MedTech facilities within their states. Richard Neal and Kevin Brady, are the two leading members of the House Ways and Means Committee, which handles Medicare and Medicaid legislation, as well as international trade issues. And they led their party's delegations on the committee to win approval for bills that will ultimately benefit industry. But, Danny, let's talk about the fact that FDA finally held its public meeting to kickstart the upcoming medical device user fee negotiations this week. Tell our listeners how that went.
0: Yes, thanks, Sue. So as many of our readers and listeners know, the public meeting to kick off the Medical Device User Fee Amendments, or Medufa 5 negotiations, was probably the most anticipated event for the medical device industry this year. However, due to the coronavirus pandemic, the meeting was postponed several times over the past six months. FDA officials, industry representatives, and advocacy groups finally came together on October 27th to lay down the groundwork for what they want the next Medufa deal to look like.
1: Yes, we've really been looking forward to this meeting for a while. What did the different players say they wanted out of the negotiations?
0: Well, I had a bit of deja vu. Uh, As you know, I covered the last MDUFA negotiations four years ago. Uh, And just like the last time, a number of the same talking points were repeated during the public meeting. The FDA again made the argument that it had done a lot to improve regulatory review process, but said it wants to look into more investments to improve its processes and as it has to deal with new technologies coming to market. In particular, Commissioner Hahn said he's very proud of FDA staff for continuing to fulfill their MedUFA obligations while also taking on the added burden of handling the coronavirus crisis. He basically said that he's worried that staff are stretching themselves too thin and wants to look at new investments to help them alleviate their workload. MedTech industry representatives, on the other hand, repeated a lot of their arguments from the last negotiations where they said they don't see the need for more investments and rather want to rely on the infrastructure that they've developed over the past few iterations and find ways that the current review process can be made even more efficient. They also talked about the increasing revenue that is raised for product review from user fee compared to congressional appropriations, and just like the last time, argued that the device center should rely more on taxpayer dollars to operate rather than user fees from industry. Mark Leahy, representing the Medical Device Manufacturers Association, also noted that the agency still hasn't filled about 40 full-time equivalent positions that it is supposed to fill going back to Medufa 3 deal. He said that if the agency could fill those positions, that would significantly reduce the workload that the current staff is facing. Just like the last time, he also raised concerns that the FDA's formula for determining FTEs isn't accurate and wants to discuss a new formula on how staff should be paid that starts out with a base salary and then looks to add overhead costs.
1: Interesting. The public meeting also gives an opportunity for other stakeholders besides industry to give their two cents about the priorities they want the FDA to address in the next deal. What were some of the discussions you saw there?
0: Yes, you're right. Uh, We focus so much on the back and forth between the FDA and industry that it's easy to overlook the fact that there are other players at the table. Some of the issues that were raised were the lack of diversity in clinical trials, concerns about not enough transparency inside the FDA so that everyone has an idea of how guidances and policies are being developed, and whether the agency is doing enough to ensure patient safety, which obviously is its prime mission. Readers can check out my article for more details on those topics, but I think it's worth mentioning that, as expected, groups like Public Citizen are asking that the FDA get more funding so that they are able to do their jobs better in ensuring safety and oversight of medical devices and diagnostics. So at least on that end, the FDA has an ally looking to help it get more user fee funding.
1: Thanks, Danny. That sounds like an interesting start to the user fee negotiations.
0: Yeah, I didn't really see any big surprises, but as our longtime readers and listeners know, we'll be intently keeping our fingers on the pulse of these discussions as they evolve. So make sure to keep tuning in to Device Week and read our articles on MedTechInsight.com for Medufa news and much, much more. Also, feel free to follow us on Twitter via at MedTech Until next time, thanks for listening.